All right, all right, all right. Let me tell you something. I didn't come to church to cry all morning, daggone it. But I do want to reiterate how much we appreciate uh, those of you that work together to uh, provide the snacks. I mean, that's five free meals in my house. Can you, I mean, can you give God some praise for that? <laughs> Them do want to eat three times a day. Now, just do the multiplication on that. You need a calculator, I promise you. But again, no, if, uh, if you're visiting with us for the first time, we just want to extend a, a warm welcome to you. We appreciate you being here. We know that several uh, are out with their moms and uh, attending church with them today, and um, we just bless them as well. But we also uh, say happy Mother's Day, and uh, you know, we're glad that you are, are here with us. I want to reiterate really quickly what Clay was talking about next week uh, with uh, Zach Strong from Cape Girardeau, Missouri. You want to make sure that you're here. You invite somebody to be with you. I mean, for those of you that heard him the last time, you know how awesome and powerful a man and, and speaker that he really is. And I know that he's going to bring a word from God. Uh, and then remember Sunday night as, as well. And if you've got a bulletin, I want you just to flip that over to the back right quick. And on the back of that, it, it just explains what we've been talking about over the last, uh, today makes six weeks, I guess, um, concerning daring faith. And, you know, we, we give you the, the uh, definition of what uh, this campaign is all about. And then uh, as you move down through the, the, the back of the bulletin, there's a list of goals. Some big things that we are believing God to do in our lives and in this church and in our community. You know, we really believe that the things that we have on the back of that are not all that God has for us to do, but there are things that we believe that God is trying to elevate our faith to go after over the next uh, 36 months. And so Clay talked about um, daring to sow in faith last week. And so I want to encourage you, as you look through those goals, take that bulletin home with you and just begin to pray through those goals and just ask God, God... In what way do you want me to contribute, or what part do you want me to play, or what can we do to, uh, or can I do to to help see these goals become an actual reality? And there's a lot of really big goals there. You know, you know, the first one is we want to see 300 people saved in, in the next three years. That's a hundred souls uh, a year, and, and we believe that it's achievable. But how, how can we be a part of reaching people to the Lord, you know, and, and for the Lord? I mean, we begin just simply by sowing into their life through praying for them and, and, and giving an invitation, just inviting people. I mean, that's how you sow in faith. And so, I mean, I want to encourage everybody here, everybody here to find three people. And we talk about this, the prayer of three, uh, where we pray for three family members or friends uh, over a specific period of time. And I want to encourage you to write three names down and be faithful in sowing into their life through prayer and continue to uh, week in, week out, invite those folks to church. I promise you God will save them. I, I believe that he wants to use you to do that. Now, we talked about having all of our ministries fully staffed, 100% of our, of, our, of our ministries fully staffed where we have teams of leaders that are, that are working in on a rotational basis where nobody has to do uh, something 
all of the time and every single week. We've got another big, huge goal. We're looking to raise a million dollars. I don't want to say raise because that sounds like fundraising. We're not fundraising. We're faith-raising. There's a big difference between the two. And, and, and we're believing God for a million dollars, not so that we can put it in our pocket, but so that we can reach our community. And you can look on that outline, and you'll see where we're going to put our resources and manpower into action. You know, we want to provide scholarships for children and kids in our community. We want to be able to help our, our local first responders more. You know, we want to, to help people in, 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 that, are, that are down and out. And it takes money, and it takes people willing to help to do that. So I want to encourage you to take a time and, and begin to pray because we're going to be receiving a, an offering at the end of this series in about a month and, and ask God, what do you want me to give? Now, I'm not, you won't feel guilty. You know, as a matter of fact, if you feel guilty or manipulated to give, don't give, period. Because the Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver. It won't work for you. It won't do anything for you if you don't have the right attitude. How many know that God doesn't just want the right action? He wants the right attitude. For example, if I asked Josiah to take the garbage out, and he goes, <sighs> throws it down in the garbage can. How many know we ain't done yet? Because my desire is not for Josiah to go take the garbage out. My desire is for him to like to do it. Amen? Or at least fake it till you make it, you know. But, but anyways, you know, we believe that, that one of the ways in which God takes us to a new level of faith is, is, is specifically in the area of finances. Nothing will strengthen and encourage your faith in God more than through means of being generous to others. God will really and truly take what you have and what you give and actually change somebody's life as a result of it. Amen? But, I mean, just take that back with you and just pray about it. Let the Lord speak to you because we're believing that he's going to do that. And, again, prayer meeting this, this Friday night. Uh, we're going to be praying all night long. So before you leave, make sure you go out there and, uh, and sign up. But, anyways, if you've got your Bible with you, I want you to turn to 1 Timothy, or 2 Timothy, I'm sorry, chapter 1. I'm going to read a few verses here. And before I read these verses to you, I have to tell you this awesome story, all right? Well, uh, the other day, Rachel was taking our children home. And uh, I think they'd come over here for one of the, the, the women's meetings. And uh, uh, somehow the topic of discussion got up uh, about people who are Christians or call themselves Christians that cuss. So they were talking about that, you know, they were thinking, do, do Christians really cuss? I mean, do they really cuss? And, and, and Jessa, because I've told them this story, my mom don't even know this story, okay? So she's going to hear it for the first time. But, but I always told my children that I thought that my middle name growing up was Dangit. That it was Donald Dangit, except we went to Dangit, you know what I'm saying? Some of you a little slow on that one, but I'll let you catch up. Donald Dang. And so, so anyways, they're going home, and they're talking about Christians cussing. And they said, Granny Helen said bad words. <laughs> Jessa said, yes, she did. Daddy thought his name was Dang It for a long time. <laughs> this is rated our church this morning, but... Uh, to those of you that are mature can handle that, you know, just put that in your hat right there. <laughs> Anyways, true story, though. 
My children at least believed it. But today I want to talk to you just for a few moments uh, on, uh, in this series we're continuing talking about daring to, live, uh, to leave a legacy. 2 Timothy chapter number 1, we're going to be reading verses um, 3 through 5 here. The Apostle Paul's writing to his spiritual son Timothy and he says, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you being mindful of your tears that I might be filled with joy. Now look at verse 5. When I call to remembrance the genuine or sincere faith that is in you, now notice what it says here, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that it is in you also. Now flip over one more chapter, two more chapters, to chapter number 3, and we're going to read verses 14 and 15. He goes on to say, he's speaking to Timothy here, but you must continue in the things which you have learned. Continue to the things which you have learned. And be assured of knowing, now notice what it says here, from whom you've learned them from. He's putting emphasis here on something. He said, I want you to continue in what you have been taught, what you have learned, and not just what you have learned, but who taught you what you have learned and now know personally. That from the childhood, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for all the mothers that are here. We thank you for the gift of motherhood. I thank you for believing mothers. I thank you for single mothers. I thank you for expecting mothers. And I thank you for all of the sincere, genuine, elderly mothers that have lived this life in front of us. God, today I pray your blessing upon them and upon this time together as we share a few words. Lord, let us hear from you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Mother's Day is a very special day for the majority of people in America. Hallmark says that over 150 million Mother's Day cards will be sent out this year, compared to around 95 million that are sent out on Father's Day, making this the third largest holiday, uh, greeting card holiday of the year. They say that the average Mother's Day gift is going to be around $105. The average Father's Day gift is going to be around $90. Bucks. You know, the phone rings a little bit more on Mother's Day uh, than on Father's Day, but yet there's more collect calls made on Father's Day than there is on Mother's Day. But, but the truth is this. When we're talking about uh, mothers and Mother's Day and the role that mothers play in our life, uh, I want you to understand the most significant ministry in the body of Christ is the ministry of mom and dad. There's no greater ministry that a person can, can do, be a part of, no greater ministry that makes a greater impact than a mother and a father. And so my goal during this message here and in our uh, Daring Faith series and talking about daring to leave a legacy is I want to, first of all, uh, honor the, the biblical role of motherhood. 
You know, we want to make sure that we honor. The Bible talks about honoring. We won't just don't want to emphasize honor, but we want to see Jesus glorified in motherhood. You know, Jesus is glorified when you are a good mother. It's important for you to understand that. It's the most important role that you'll ever play in your life. And, and so Jesus came up with motherhood. You know, he was in his plan. He created it. He designed it. And he blessed it. And so motherhood's important. Now listen to this. You know, the birth of Jesus elevated motherhood to its highest position that it could possibly be. When Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary, conceived, and when she gave birth to the Son of God, it elevated motherhood to its highest position. You know, the greatest event in human history was when this girl, this teenage girl by the name of Mary, gave birth to the Son of God. I mean, it's the greatest event in human history. You know, we, we divide our calendars based upon the birth of Jesus. You know, we, we, it's B.C. And, and, and A.D. And so listen, he elevates motherhood to its highest position because it is through the womb of the Virgin Mary that the Son of God is born who lived a sinless life went to the cross, died a death that he didn't deserve, who was buried, and on the third day that he was raised again. So listen, you, you can't separate the significance of motherhood from the birth of Jesus. And so when we look at that in the light of Scripture, listen, women play an important role. I've been around the world, and I found out that some of God's best men are women. I found it to be true. Listen, I, I see people, they, they want to lower women, women down into a level that's less than a man. But I've looked in the face of, of 12 church planters in Indonesia, one of them being a woman, and every, a woman, and every one of them uh, of the 12 church planters had had their brains beaten out for the gospel. And so for any man that wants to talk bad about a woman, I challenge you, go get on a plane, fly to where they live, go do what they do, and let me know how that works out for you. But if you are not willing to do that, then I don't think that we ought to put women down in any way whatsoever. So women have played a prominent role in, in, in changing history. And so it's from that perspective that, that we want to think about uh, leaving a legacy. So we, I'm going to give you three things here. And I believe this can pertain to men. Uh, I'm just taking this text because it, it emphasizes the impact of a mother and a grandmother. But there's three things I want to, to share with you that are found in 2 Timothy 1.5 and 2 Timothy 3.14 and 15. Verse 5 says this, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I am persuaded is in you also. Verse 14 and 15. But as for you, Timothy, notice what it says, continue in what you have learned, being uh, firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it. Now mark those words. Listen, if you've got a Bible that you can't write in, put that bad boy in a shrine and worship that thing and get you one that you can because, listen, you need to memorize some stuff. It's not a sin to write in your Bible, okay? The book's not holy. The God of the book is holy, okay? The Bible is the Word of God. But the word of God became flesh. Anyway, that's not my message. Mark those words. Knowing whom I have learned them from a childhood. Now this signifies, listen. Who taught these things to him? 
from a child. Remember those things. Continue in those things. And, and take note with whom you have learned them from a child. And you've been acquainted with the sacred writings of the scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Now here's three things I want to give you pretty quickly. This may be the fastest message I've ever preached. But I've had some neck and shoulder problems. And lucky for you, I can't preach a long time. And everybody said, <laughs> if we're going to leave a legacy, okay? If we're going to leave a legacy, the first thing that we have to consider is this, is a mother's instruction. If you're going to leave a legacy, it's going to have to be intentional. You don't leave a legacy behind on accident. You don't accidentally come to a place where you pass down a life that has been lived that is worthy of imitating. You have to be intentional. It doesn't happen on accident. And you have to have more than just good intentions. You have to put actions behind those intentions. It's important that we all understand that for better or for worse, our lives are going to impact somebody. For better or for worse, we are going to either affect them positively or negatively. And what we see in the scripture here is that Timothy's mother and grandmother intentionally, methodically, on purpose taught him the scriptures as a young child and it impacted his life in a dynamic way that we're reading about the impact they made today in the scriptures. Now there's three clues that give us something that, that, that teaches us or shows us that it was Timothy's mom and grandmother who taught him the word of God. He says, be careful and continue in what you've learned and Know, therefore, from whom you have learned it. Now, who was it that taught Timothy the Word of God? His mom and his grandmother, Eunice and Lois. Lois and Eunice. These are, his, these are the mothers in his life. And the reason we know this is true is you see in verse 15 it says, To this learning, he says, you have learned from them from your childhood. In other words, what it's saying is, when Timothy was just a little bitty boy, when he was just a child, somebody intentionally taught him the scriptures. Now, let me ask you a question, moms and dads. When's the last time that you have took time to teach your children the Word of God? Now, it's important. Now, listen, if we believe that God wrote a book, right? Surely we'd read it. I mean, if we believe God, really believe God wrote a book, we would read it. But to leave a legacy, we've got to do more than, than read it. We have to live it. There's some lessons to learn, and there's some lessons to live. And so, when's the last time that you've actually read your Bible, and when is the last time that you've intentionally taught your children, or your child, or your grandson, or your granddaughter, what the Bible says about being a Christian, living a godly life? Who Jesus is. I want you to know something. It is your responsibility. I make no apologies about it. 
I'm not speaking with condemnation. I'm not trying to bring guilt upon you in any way. But what I'm saying is you have to understand if you're going to impact your child or your grandchild in in a positive way for the kingdom of God, you must know the Scriptures and you must live what the Scriptures say and you must communicate to them what the Bible says about life. If we're going to leave a legacy behind, we have to start early. But the truth is it's not how... You drive, but it's how you arrive. We want to finish the job that God's given us. Here's the second thing. He says in verse 5, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm persuaded that it dwells in you too. Now listen to this. Here's what, here's what the Apostle Paul's saying. Paul directly connects Timothy's faith with what he learned from his mother and grandmother. Paul didn't teach Timothy the Scriptures. It was his mother and grandmother. This is the role that they played in Timothy's life. They taught them, and he makes reference to them. In other words, listen, if it made it in the book, it must be a pretty big deal. I mean, if there's Scripture here that shows us that, that, you know what, this child's life has been directly influenced by his mother and grandmother, then we ought to take notice from it because Paul says, you know what? The life that Timothy lives, the relationship he has with Jesus right now is not because of me, but because of them. And so from a childhood, his mother and his grandmother taught him, and he says, look, don't just, don't just look at the Scriptures and, and be able to quote them. Look at the life that they lived in front of you to validate why you believe what you believe. Now, the third thing's this. Now, Why doesn't it say that Timothy's father taught him Scripture? You know, why does it make reference to Timothy's father? I want you to turn over to Acts chapter 16 right quick. The Scripture doesn't say anything about Timothy's father teaching him the Word of God. Acts chapter 16 verse 1 says this. Timothy... As, as, as Paul chose Timothy to be a missionary partner in his life, Luke, the apostle, wrote this. Now, wait on you. Are you there? Paul also came to Derby and Lystra, and a disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. Now, what's that telling us? It tells us that Timothy is a product of a home. He came from a home of an unbelieving father and a believing mother. So we know that that, that his father didn't teach him, so his mother and his grandmother did for him what his father never did for him or either could not do because he was an unbeliever. The truth is the women have packed the church of Jesus Christ in America for generations and generations and generations. And men have failed to step up into the role in which they should be playing. So therefore the burden that's been placed upon the women and the job that they've done to carry the church to this point is a direct result of man's failure to lead. We're all called husbands and wives, moms and dads. We're all called to teach. But what I want to show you here on Mother's Day is, 
He doesn't say anything about Timothy's father. He just says that his father was a Greek. It says his mother was a Jew. So here, if you come from a family where the husband's not saved and the wife is saved or the, or the, the husband's saved and the wife is not, listen, I want you to know something. You can still leave a legacy. Your history is not your destiny. Listen, we may not be what we're going to be, but we're definitely not what we used to be. And so these two women made a deep and profound impact in young Timothy's life, and the Apostle Paul points that out. So here's what we're learning. A mother's instructions. Timothy's mother and grandmother taught Timothy the Scripture since he was a child. And as a result of them teaching the Scriptures, not only, listen, did Timothy become a Christian, give his life to Jesus, he served Jesus in full-time ministry and became the pastor of the church of Ephesus that some people say there were 20,000 members in it. Now, can you imagine how this mother and grandmother looked at their grandson and son and say, wow, what have we done here? That's what my mom said when I was born. Wow, what have I done here? So if you're going to leave a legacy, you've got to, number one, teach your children, instruct them. Now, here's the second thing. The second thing I see in these scriptures is a mother's example. The first thing is a mother's instruction. The second thing is a mother's example. And verse 14 says, But as for you, Timothy, continue in the things which you have learned and have firmly believed... In other words, he's saying, listen, I want you to stay strong, stay committed, don't compromise, don't walk away. And then here comes these crucial, crucial words that's referring to Eunice and Lois. It says, knowing from whom you have learned them. Here's what Paul's saying here. Again, it's not, you heard those saying, it says, you know, do what I say, not what I, as I do. It don't work. You know why? People do what people see. Your example is your most powerful means of persuasion, okay? Moms, you know what? Children would rather see a sermon than hear a sermon. And that's why Paul makes reference. He says, you know what? He says, he says, know whom you've learned them from. Look at their example. You know, they've not just taught you. They, they've lived the life. Now, now here's the point I, I want to make here. There's no doubt that, that the Apostle Paul or Timothy benefited from the mentorship of Paul. But the foundation of Timothy's life was laid by his mother and his grandmother. Paul may have shaped Timothy for ministry, but his mother and grandmother shaped him for life. Paul may have been able to take him to a new level, but Paul would have never had anything to build upon had his mother and grandmother not laid the foundation. That's so important. It means more than anything to me, that my children have a living, up-to-date relationship with Jesus. Can, can I just be honest with you? I wasn't raised in church, but I'm raising my children in church. And it concerns me sometimes. You know why? Because I've seen so many people in church just become so religious and superficial and shallow and learn how to do the church thing that my concern is they see that and then follow that example. 
A lot of people think that they are doing something incredible simply because they got out of the bed and they came here this morning. And so I talked to my children. I said, listen, I want you to know that we are where we are today. I don't go to church and I don't work at the church and I don't do these things because it is a job for me. I want you to know that, that my life has been radically changed because I met Jesus Christ. My older children now, they're, they're, they, they hear me give testimonies. You know, they, they know that I was on drugs and alcohol and, and all that stuff before, and, but they were little uh, early on, and, and they didn't really take too much uh, thought about that. They just know that Daddy loves them, and he hugs them, he works at the church, you know. But now that they're getting older... And they hear me say certain things, they start asking questions. Like the other day, they, they, they heard me talk about when I got put in jail a couple of times. Um, but, and they go, Daddy got put in jail? Oh my gosh. Or, and they, they hear me being on drugs and alcohol again, because they know now. And they're like, Daddy did that? And they asked the question, I loved it. They said, what happened to him? I said, I've been waiting for you to ask that question for so long. I want you to know, on June the 7th, 1998, I met Jesus Christ in a personal and powerful way, and I've never been the same since then. I want you to know that church didn't do me like this, that, that being religious didn't do me like this, that, that just going through the motions of being a religious person didn't do me like this. Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I recognized that he did that for me. He was buried, and on the third day he rose again and because he rose again I believe that he did such for me he changed my life and every single day that I live with every step that I take and with every breath of air I breathe my number one goal is to follow him wherever he tells me to go that is what Christianity is for me I don't serve Jesus to get out, get the get free out of hell card. I don't serve Jesus for the benefits, for the blessings. I don't serve him because I believe my life will be better because of that. I have had a genuine encounter with a man that lived, died, and was raised from the dead and is alive forevermore. He's God in the flesh, and I want them to know that he's worth giving their lives for. Everything I do is in light of who this man is. What about you? If my children followed your example and modeled your example what kind of Christian would they be? And you better believe I take that serious. So we see a mother's instruction. Then we see a, a mother's example. See, it's one thing. Like, listen, here's what I found out. You know, there's more parents or, or a lot of parents that are more interested in their child making the team than they are getting to heaven. 
Now listen, all my children, they play sports. I have no problem with that. But sports is secondary, maybe third dairy or fourth dairy. But it's not going to be number one. And I'm not saying if they miss church that it's that bad. I'm just saying you understand what priorities are. You see, we, we want to encourage them in sports. We encourage them in academics. We encourage them in their career. We, do, we give everything that we've got and do everything that we can to position them to uh, have success in life. But listen, if they're not serving Jesus, there's no such thing as success in life. Listen, you can give your child everything they want and nothing they need true story of two boys that were uh, a part of a family that had wealthy parents. They had everything that they wanted. And, and so as, as a result of this, they, they saw that, that they could have everything that they wanted, but they hated their families so much because they didn't understand what they really needed. They wrote them a letter. They said, you know what? They give, you give me everything that I want and nothing I need. What about you? It's important that you understand, you know, an inheritance is what you leave for your children. But a legacy is what you leave in your children. An inheritance is what you leave for your children. But an inheritance is what you leave in your children. And so Paul tells Timothy, I'm about to wrap it up, they can come to music. He says, listen, don't just remember what you've learned from your mom and grandmother. But he says, look at their life. See their example. And so the Apostle Paul is saying, you know what? Your children will believe what you live, or, or when you live what you believe, your te- your, it teaches your children to believe what you live. When you live what you believe, it teaches your children to believe what you live. Now, leaving a legacy, is simple, but not everything that's simple is easy. Everybody here can impact another child's life simply by teaching them and modeling them for them what it's supposed to be like and how they're supposed to live. So Paul says, you know what? Here's a mother's example. Here's a mother's instruction. The last thing is a mother's legacy. He says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith faith that dwelled in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice and now I'm persuaded is in you also and so what we see in this story is the impact that one mother's life had on the succeeding generation this is the impact Timothy's life would literally go it would literally go on to impact tens of thousands of of lives in the future you never know you never know what your children will end up doing for the kingdom of God you know we dedicate them when they're born and we say God they belong to you 
but then we do nothing to reinforce them in the scriptures and the way that we live. And I'm not saying that we have to be perfect. I'm just saying we have to be intentional. So stand with me. I love this quote. For better or for worse, mothers are the makers of men. They are the architect of the next generation. And our goal to be godly mothers and fathers is the most high and noble pursuit of manhood and womanhood. It doesn't get greater than the role you play in a child's life. It doesn't get any more. In order to impact in a greater way, you must think smaller. See, all the stuff we have here today, our facilities, this building, it's not for you. I'm going to do everything within my power to position the next generations successfully that when that next generation comes to the place of leadership, that they'll have the resources, that they'll have the manpower, that they will have the backing of totally and committed people that when they take the reins, it will catapult them to a place that they could have never gotten to in their life without it. And again, to me, there's no success without a successor. We're doing this. Now, who is your life? Impacted. You know, Clay, I think you mentioned this a while ago, but next Monday night, they're going to have a meeting at the Axis uh, Coffee House at 6 p.m. And they're going to be talking about Appalachian Mentoring Program. If you're interested in this, men and women, I want to encourage you to come and be a part of it. I'm going to go. Why? Because nothing is greater than impacting a child's life. Our children's ministry. Listen, if you've, got, if you've got children in nursery, children's church, A to Z, or preteen, before you leave today, make sure you make your way over there or out here and simply say, thank you. We honor you today. It's a big deal. So, I'd be completely wrong if I didn't take a minute to talk about the pain that comes with Mother's Day. I know there's some of you, your mother's not here. It may be recent, it may be many, many years ago, but they're not here with you for one reason or another and you miss them. I want you to understand that we grieve with you. That it's a difficult time for you. And so I understand Mother's Day can be a very sensitive holiday. Because under the sound of my voice, there's women that are in different stages at life. There's women who are single and desire to be married and start a family, and it's just not happened yet for you. There's single mothers here that are just trying to raise their child up in a godly home, and it's hard for you. There's married women that are here that have a desire to have children, but they struggle with infertility. There's those of you that are here that have become pregnant at one time or the other, but you've experienced a miscarriage. 
There's those of you that are here that have children, uh, that, that have children, but your mother's passed on and they're no longer with you. And then there's those of you that are here that have been devastated by the loss of a child. And what I want you to know is we want to pray for you all. So as, as they sing and as they play, if you would like personal prayer, I'm going to pray a general prayer over everybody. But if you want personal prayer, it's just you have an overwhelming weight in your heart like Clay's been saying. And you would like just to have personal prayer. We want to make that available to you. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the scriptures that are able to make us wise until salvation. And Father, I pray for all the mothers that are here. Lord, those that are here that, that are looking to get married and, and, and to start a family, I pray that you minister to them. I pray for the single mothers that, that are struggling to raise their child in a godly home, just to meet their, the, have their needs met, their ends met. Lord, I pray for you would just minister to them today. God, I pray that you would meet with, with, with those whose mothers that have went on, that you would minister to them in a, in a personal and powerful way. And those that have lost children, I pray you touch them. God, I can't imagine the pain, but God, you know. You know what it's like to lose a child? You've lost your son on the cross. And so, God, I pray that you meet them in the point of grief, that you encourage them today.